We commenced this hour with a guest we were hoping to have on yesterday, and uh, things got a, a little twisted, but I'm um, so delighted that he's well, and we have him with us today. A reaction right now from the cousin and best friend of Emmett Till, Wheeler Parker Jr., about the death of Carolyn Bryant Donham, the white woman whose accusation led to the 1955 lynching of 14-year-old Emmett Till for nearly 70 years. Carolyn Bryant was never arrested or brought to justice. And I am uh, delighted to have uh, as a guest on this program once again, the Reverend Wheeler Parker Jr., to see what he has to say about this latest development in the case of Emmett Till nearly 70 years later. Uh, Reverend Parker, how are you today, sir? I'm doing fine. And how are you, Mr. Uh, Trevor? I, I, I'm doing well. If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I'm, I'm doing well, and I'm, I'm glad that you were well. When I mentioned yesterday that we were going to have you on and we didn't get you on the phone, I, you won't believe all the number, of, the, the number of messages I received asking me if you were okay. And I said, yes, he's okay. We had a, a mix-up yesterday, but he is okay. Uh, but people were just concerned uh, when we uh, didn't get you on the line yesterday and I uh, told everybody he is okay. He'll be on the program tomorrow. And so I mm-hmm. am delighted to hear delighted to hear your voice. Um, I was on the air last week uh, in my seat, as I am now, when, mm-hmm. news, when news broke that Carolyn Bryant Donham had passed away at the age of 88. And when I read that news um, off the wire over the air, I had a hard time getting that out. I had a hard time getting it out because uh, obviously mm-hmm. I've talked to you over the years. Uh, I interviewed Mamie Till Mobley, uh, Mrs. Mamie Till Mobley, many times during her career. Uh, I knew John H. Johnson, uh, the founder of Ebony and Jet magazine, who had the courage to put that picture on the cover of, of Jet. So I've been so mm-hmm. connected to this story in my own way over the course of my career. Uh, and it just it just really hit me last week when I when that news came forward that she had died at the age of 88, which means that she lived nearly 70 years after the murder and lynching of Emmett Till that she was at the epicenter of. You know full well uh, for the audience who may not know this uh, not long ago, um, they found in a box in a basement the arrest warrant for Carolyn Bryant Donham that had never been served all these years. The police chief uh, back then said that she's a mother, she has babies, and we don't want to bother her. And because they didn't want to bother her, they never uh, 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 used the arrest warrant, uh, never served it. And and for 70 mm-hmm. years nearly, uh, she lived without taking any responsibility for the murder and death of your cousin and best friend Emmett Till. All that said... How have you, how are you processing the death of Carolyn Bryant Donham? Well, I've been a man of faith for the last 62 years and brother of the cross. Mm-hmm. And I treat her death like I do any others. I am in my town, I'm called the Finland Headquarters. And there's a tradition that God asks us as people of faith and uh, brothers of the cross how to respond to those things and that's what I respond to all of them the same mm-hmm. and, and 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 what is that response if, uh, I, I hear it's, it's the same for all persons but what is that response exactly we send our condolence out to those families and pray for those families mm-hmm. um, you hold on hold on hold sure. on I got an interruption here sure 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 um, he sends his condolences out and he prays for those families uh, I am curious to know um, a little bit more about how he's processing this whether it's one thing to forgive, uh, and there's been all there's been all kind of commentary uh, about uh, those families that forget that forgave uh, Dylan Roof when he went in that church um, in uh, Mother Emanuel and shot up uh, and killed all those black folk there who were praying. 
Uh, there was great debate then about whether or not that's the, the right moment to, to, to forgive. Uh, I want to get his take on that when we come forward in conversation with Reverend Wheeler Parker Jr. on KBLA Talk 15. Reverend Wheeler Parker Jr., I heard the comment you made earlier uh, about praying for them and offering your condolences. Uh, let me ask you a more personal question. Um, how do you feel about the fact that she lived nearly 70 years without being ever held accountable for Emmett's death? I, I think you have to go back, and I, and I wish after this, at, at some point, you can go back and uh, review and listen to Mamie Till's reconciliation speech. Mm-hmm. That should uh, that should be out before all of America and all of the world. Uh, 2003, she said, God took hate out of my life 40-some years ago. It's like Miss Bryant and those people do not exist. I have a and we both from the same faith. I passed the church side in our mother's house mm-hmm. in 1926. So we, we, we're taught if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. Mm-hmm. And Miss Carolyn Bryant is gone because those are to her family. God said, vengeance is mine. And we, we, we are tempted just like anyone else uh, to hate, but you can't afford to hate. No. The luxury of hate destroys the hater, always destroy the hater. We have no animals that ill will can't afford to have that in any situation. Because God said, vengeance is man. And that's what Bishop Ford said at the funeral of Emmett Hill. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I remember that I remember that Ford uh, eulogy quite well. Um, at um, I wasn't living then, uh, but I've studied over the years and listened to it. It was a powerful, mm-hmm. powerful um, eulogy um, uh, from Bishop Ford um, standing over the casket of one Emmett Till. And, and mm-hmm. so, so let, me, let me press a little bit further. I, I take your point. And I'm glad you're giving me a few minutes to talk to you between now and the bottom of the hour here. So I understand um, the notion of hatred um, uh, has no place. Uh, Dr. King used to say all the time that he didn't have time to hate. It takes too much energy to hate. So Mm -hmm. I I understand the argument about not hating, but that's a very different issue than whether or not you feel a certain way about the fact that she was never held accountable. God doesn't want us to hate, but even God holds Mm -hmm. us to account. At at some point, as you well know, you preach this every Sunday. At some point, we Mm -hmm. all got to give an account to our creator. So he holds us accountable. So it's one thing to not hate her. It's another thing to see her or want to have seen her held accountable. So talk to me about the fact that she was never held accountable. Mm -hmm. And nothing erase or do away with what you've done. Mm -hmm. It's going to be there. You've got to be held accountable. Uh, sometimes we want to see it or we want it done through our own hands. Unfortunately, it just doesn't work that all the way all the time. Mm-hmm. And God said, yeah, God make it very clear. And, and that's what keeps you going, I think. You know she's going to be held accountable. She didn't get away. No one gets away. I didn't get away. I know when I'm reading what I saw. I don't tell you, though. But everybody knows when they're paying for what they're being held accountable for what they've done. Mm-hmm. But we like to see it, you know, because the South was one of the most religious and the racist place in America. These mm. people come out of church and treat us worse than anybody. Mm. America still has to be held accountable for that. That's not over with. Yeah. They they owe, they right now we, we, America has to pay for that. Yeah. Unless God lying, I know God don't lie. <laughs> yeah. Um as a minister of the cloth for all these uh, 62 years or so, um what what do you make of what you just said? What you said is, is so powerful. I want to just take a moment to just slow down and unpack that. That in the South, uh, certainly in the South, but indeed across this country, America uh, is both a religious place, but also a place mm-hmm. that engages in racist acts every day. What do you make of that, mm-hmm. that, that we spout and spew religion all the time, and yet we come out of church and we act and behave in racist ways? Exactly, exactly. And I tell, when I go on my speeches, I say, look, you can't expect for us to feel about America like you who are privileged are. Mm-hmm. We don't feel that way. 
because we had those experiences, and we're still having those experiences. It has not gone anywhere. We've made a lot, made a lot of progress. We've come a long way, but we've got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And we don't try to excuse it or erase it at all. We don't try to do away with it. It's still wrong. It's a wrong that needs to be dealt with. And I tell people we've got to keep dealing with it. Okay. Um, when when they found the arrest warrant for Carolyn Bryant uh, that had never been served all those years, uh, decades earlier, when they found that arrest warrant, I hear your point about not hating. I hear your point about praying and 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 and, mm-hmm. and forgiving and offering condolence. I hear your point about mm-hmm. that. But I but I'm but I'm still curious as to Wheeler Parker Jr. the man. How you felt when you heard the news that they had found that arrest warrant uh, that had never been served? How did you process that discovery? Well, I think you have to realize that I I, I met with the Civil Rights Division, the District Attorney of Mississippi, mm-hmm. the FBI, and there's another uh, national one. We met and we covered everything that to be covered. Mm-hmm. That thing expired five years later. Mm-hmm. They could not do anything with that. There was nothing. You can arrest this. Like they told us, you can arrest her any time, but you're going to charge her with. Mm-hmm. So that's what we had to deal with. So they explained it to us at the FBI headquarters here in Chicago. And uh, they said, if you come up with anything, anything, we'll deal with it. Yeah, but no one has come up with anything. But some people, you know, uh, they want to see her arrested, even if they can't charge her with anything. Yeah, but she's gonna pay. She's gonna pay. Everybody read what they saw. Mm-hmm. Believe me, yep. America's gonna read what they saw the way they treated this blacks. Mm-hmm. So you were told that uh, there was nothing they could do to to serve the uh, warrant. Um, it was no good because it had expired five years after its writing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And I and I was hoping that she would come forth and when the Tyson came out with his book saying she said she lied. Yeah. That gave me great hope. I said, that's what I need some closure. She admitted that she lied on every tell. But then she turned around and said, I didn't lie. I didn't say that. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm glad you raised that. I wanted to go there. So what, what do you make now, now that she's gone, as you look back on it, what do you make of the fact that she changed her story once or twice while she was living? You know, she said she never said it. Mm-hmm. So I, you can't deal with that too much because Tyson, he, he ships, I think he's probably been kind of a noble, respectable journalist. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't have time to deal with it. I have, I have a mission to do. I have a calling in my life. And I, ha- I hit a bump and roll with this. And uh, uh, those people who are in power and authority need to deal with that. Uh, deal, those people who deal with those kind of things because it was definitely... A disappointment for me, a great disappointment. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, Mamie Till, Mrs. Mamie Till Mobley's uh, reconciliation speech, and uh, I, I, I'm going to take your your. It wasn't it. It was it wasn't an advice. It was an assignment. So I'm going to take the assignment you gave me, uh, Reverend Parker Jr. Uh, to before the week's over, go back and listen to that again. I I, Please, I, I heard it. I haven't heard it in a while. So I'm going to I'm going to take your advice, your suggestion, your assignment, uh, and go back and listen to it once again. But let me just while I've got you on the phone here, and we got another ten minutes in this conversation, which I'm grateful for. Let, let me let me ask you um, what you make of this her reconciliation speech and how she came to terms with losing her son in that way and giving that speech decades later. Tell me about your take on her speech. When I saw it, I say, I passed to the church at her mother's house. I said, we're on the same page. We're we're brothers of the cloth, so to speak. And we're taught this very own. In the Church of God in Christ, one thing you're taught from day one, if you don't forgive each other in the house, that's what it's talking about, God ain't going to forgive you. So we're taught that. And I said, man, we're saying the same thing. I was very mm-hmm. impressed 
by her reconciliation speech. If she took a lemon and she made lemonade, she didn't let that sidetrack her. She didn't let her stop her. She had a mission to do. She had business to take care of. And she went for went, went ahead and did that by developing within her calling. And she developed oratorical speeches uh, that Martin Luther King said of children. We had an event on the weekend. We just unveiled a statue of Mamie Till on Saturday in this little town that I live in, the school she graduated from. So we have businesses. We have things to take care of. We can't stay there and linger and wallow in that doing nothing. you got to be doing something. Yeah. Uh, I, I read and saw of the statue that was erected in her honor. Um, tell, tell me about how that came to be. It's, it's a great honor for her all these years later. How did the statue of Mamie Till Mobley come to be? To, to our surprise, we can't believe it happened. Mm-hmm. I live in I live in a town where there's about maybe 800 African Americans, 10,000 people, mm-hmm. and they came up with the idea. Not us. We didn't suggest or ask them to do it, and it was a great honor. She was the first black to graduate on National Honor Society, and uh, school almost the first black period, but not the first black completely. Mm-hmm. And she was quite a person. Uh, in 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 and representing the school, so one of the teachers asked her, "So what put the fire on you to make you do that?" She's a she's a civil rights advocate. She's a white girl, white teacher, mm-hmm. and uh, God put when we make progress, sir. It's always a white person that got the fire and the ability to help us. Mm-hmm. From the day of slavery till we got here, it was always it was the brethren. I know you know about the brethren, the brethren, the uh, abolitionists. There was always some whites there had the fire in their belly to do what's right. Even even our former president, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, that said, and we shall overcome, pass the civil rights bill. Lyndon Johnson, Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, Lyndon Johnson. yeah, yeah, even yeah, God yeah. used him. God. Mm-hmm. And when, they, when Emmett Till, check it out, when Emmett Till was killed, every lawyer in that area became a defensive lawyer. Mm-hmm. But there was one white boy that stood up. You could see the fear in his face. I'll prosecute. Talk to his son. He said, son just wrote a big article in the paper, so my daddy did the right thing. But he always had some whites there on every turn for us. Stand up, had a fire in their belt. So I tell him, I said, you want history to read you correctly. You want to be uh, accepted. Stand up and do what's right. I said, so I'm saying, I'll do what's right. I said, you won't be liked. Mm-hmm. No, you're right the about that. Thing, I'm sorry, go ahead. One thing, one thing, worst thing, we have the white man be called a nigga lover. Mm-hmm. No, you're right about that part. No question about it. That um, throughout history, there have always been um, uh, others who have stood with us uh, in our uh, fight for justice uh, and and freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that you've heard this. Maybe you have. I want to just play it for you, right quick. We're we're running um, a, a promo uh, on this station. We call it we call it imaging. It's really not a promo. It's imaging for our station. Uh, but when I heard President Biden offer these remarks last weekend. Um, I, I, I listened to it and we, we used it to, um, uh, to do some imaging for our station, but these are the words of, of president Biden last Saturday, uh, last weekend at the white house correspondence dinner. As you well know, uh, president Biden, uh, had, uh, an audience of people to the white house, uh, to show the movie till he showed the movie in the white house when it came out, he was quite moved by it. And this is just a bit of what he had to say over the weekend. I want to get your take uh, on what he had to say. Take a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. 
The story of Emmett Till and his mother is a story of a family's promise and loss in a nation's reckoning with hate, violence, and abuse of power. It's a story that was seared into our memory and our conscience, the nation's conscience, when Mrs. Till insisted that an open casket for her murdered and maimed 14-year-old son. She said, let the people see what I've seen. The reason the world saw what she saw was because of another hero in this story, the black press. Jet Magazine, the Chicago Defender, and other black radio and newspapers were unflinching and brave in making sure America saw what she saw. Ida B. Wells once said, and I quote, the way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth upon the wrongs. Turning the light of truth upon the wrongs. We're unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580, and we don't black down. down. So there you hear Reverend uh, Reverend uh, Parker Jr. The words of President Biden uh, last weekend talking so forcefully, so powerfully about the way that movie Till impacted him and just recounting for the nation. Uh, the whole nation was watching this speech last week uh, nationally televised. And here you have the president of the United States, to your point, a white man talking about Emmett Till and his mother. What do you what do you make of that when you hear those kinds of comments coming from the president of the United States? I was at the same of the anti-lynching bill. Mm-hmm. I had to be Will's great-grandmother was there. Mm-hmm. She said, my great-grandmother was here 100 years ago. It took 100 years, 200 tries to get this bill signed. President Biden said pretty much what he said then, except he included the black press. And I know the story of the black press. I've studied the black press. And what he said was powerful. And we we need to, someone need to say that what we've done, because a lot of people don't talk about it guys like you behind the scene on the sidelines, the thing that you're doing to help keep things out there because the white press did not carry those stories like that. Uh, they caught they caught the black papers coming in the South. They would confiscate them, burn them, de- uh, destroy them. But uh, he, he said the right thing, and I appreciate being with him there in the White House and hearing him say it from his mouth. Nope. Uh, and I appreciate your kind comments about the work that I'm trying to do here uh, at this station. Thank you for saying that, uh, Reverend Parker. Let me let me uh, got about two minutes left. Let me let me close with this uh, again. I, I'm thinking about Carolyn Bryant Donham and how she was able to live for nearly 70 years without being held accountable for the death of your cousin and best friend, Emmett Till. Uh, as a person of faith, um, I am wondering how this journey that you've been on. Uh, for all these years, these nearly 70 years since the death of uh, the murder, the lynching of your cousin. Um, how has this challenged or shaped, uh, deepened your faith in God over the years? What you do, there's a calling in everybody. And we need to be made aware of the responsibility that we have as an individual. It deepens you to get out there. You can't save the whole world but you can brighten the corner where you are. Mm. And that's what I've done. I've, I'm out there. Uh, I'm 84 years old working with Scouts, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, trying to make a difference. That's what Mamie Teal did. She tried to make a difference. And you should have seen all those kids that came back, Emmett Teal players on the, man, through the whole thing, I'm just crying because they were quoting Martin Luther King's speeches. And I'm very fond of his speeches. They have power, they have meaning, they just not talk, but they have some powerful words. So I'm out there, as you therefore have the opportunity to do good to all men, and especially to the household of faith. We have a calling in our life. Mamie Till had a calling, and that's what she did, and that's what I do. We're here to serve. 
We're here to help. If you're not serving, you're not doing your job. No better place to leave it than right there. Uh, if you're not serving, you are not doing your job. You mentioned that song, Bright in the Corner. Now you're taking me back, Reverend Rita, to my little, Reverend Rita Parker Jr., you're taking me back to my little Pentecostal church that I grew up in. We sang that song all the time. Bright in the yes, corner, <laughs> bright in the corner where you are, bright in the corner yes, where you are. Someone far from harbor, you may guide across the bars, just bright in the corner where you are. As always, sir. Yeah, they, put, they, put, they put it in so you couldn't, once, Back to train the child on where you go when the Holy One fire, it stays there when they put it there. Oh, yeah. That's it. The, ho- the, ho- the Holy Ghost will bring it to your memory all the time. All the time. Uh, it, it, it'll stay there. I hear you. you not, now you're preaching. <laughs> now you, <laughs> we, it's time to go. And now you, don't, now you don't took a text. You don't took a text, and now you want to preach. And I ain't got but 15 seconds to go. So we'll, we'll save that for the next time. Reverend Wheeler Parker, uh, Jr., thank you for your remembrances. Thank you for your sharings. Uh, thank you for your work and witness, sir. We love you, and uh, thank you for your time. Keep up with the good work. Same to you. Appreciate you. Uh, The cousin and best friend of Emmett Till, Reverend Wheeler Parker, Jr.